0: Hey guys, this episode of The Front Lounge is brought to you by Bus Call Episode 6, which takes place in South Africa. Stream it now on our YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash congosmusic. Also by our Patreon page, which for $2 a month you can get an ad-free version of this podcast and also get access to some exclusive content.
1: Hello, and welcome to episode 3030 of the Front Lounge with Kongos. We are the Brothers Kongos, and we sit in our Front Lounge and talk about things. And we have our first ever repeat guest, Johnny Marlow, 2, T-O-O, like Chili's 2.
2: It's an honor to be back here, guys. Marlowe returns. Back
0: at his
3: uh, alma mater. <laughs> the
2: return. How
3: yeah. are you? What you been up to?
2: Uh, oh, God, it has been, uh, it's, it's been It's been rough. A lot of a lot of actors and if for you people who don't know about actors they're great really sweet uh, but you've been a lot taking of photographs of a lot thing. of photographs of actors I've been doing a lot of uh, just
1: fashion I don't know drop some names you've been doing some big shoots lately
2: uh, yeah who did I do I did Timothy Oliphant uh, from justified a couple yeah. last month I did Walton Goggins from justified
1: that was my favorite ones that you've done in a long time the shots you did tell us I, you told me about that but tell, he was a, have
3: you seen vice principals no i've never seen vice, you've watch vice but i've seen it's some clips fun. of it
1: and he's, he's hilarious yeah. but the
2: funny thing about that guy is that he's so intense and he can be really funny but he also is kind of terrifying his face is kind yeah. of built like he should Look, he looks incredibly evil. And so he showed up. We did a photo shoot in a just rundown Hollywood motel that's been left since the 60s and he shows up and he we we dressed him in this very chic but he almost looked like just this piece of shit uh car salesman but like totally designer. And uh usually this doesn't happen with celebrities. Uh, I we just I gave him like a little bit of a character to play to see if he would take it and he just Ran with it throughout the entire shoot. He was jumping around the room and slamming down the phone and screaming. And I was like, "Oh my god, <laughs> this is the first time!" That, I mean, I got to work with such a really talented guy, so it was really fun.
1: It's like it's just like us at our photo shoots. We can barely get us to move. We're like fucking stone statues, with zero personality.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, uh, there's f- photographing uh, musicians that so quickly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, absolutely. No, photographing musicians is uh, it's its own it's its own beast. You guys yeah, don't I mean, like being shot.
1: Most, yeah. I mean, is that common with a lot of the musicians you've shot that most people don't really enjoy? The actors obviously are so much more comfortable in front of a camera.
2: Yeah, I'd say musicians are at the bottom of the totem pole, of people who enjoy being photographed. They all <laughs> fucking hate it, and they all want to look super cool. <laughs> <laughs>
1: They're at the yeah. bottom of a lot of totem poles. <laughs> well, the reason, That's why we the end reason- up
3: looking morose in some of our photos, because... Well, you were trying to look cool, but we don't really know. Well, think about this because
2: you can't look angry, but you can't. I mean, it's very, very specifically. You don't want to do the typical band shoot where you're all just
3: sitting there, (laughs) (laughs) you know. And so, or the goofy one where you like got to jump up in unison. Yeah, exactly. I
0: found this uh, face scanning app where you can do three D models of your face just using the iPhone. So I think that's the future. Uh, maybe yeah,
2: yeah could you be. Do, don't it, have to do your you own just, photos uh, move Love your it. head around <laughs> <laughs> it could be out Rel- of a job
0: relight it yeah I can't wait until people just you just have an avatar and nobody has to take another photo again well that, that was really that
1: happened? app that Charlene it's happen. is that what
0: you're nope you're always going to need me <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was that app Charlene was telling us about that was uh, really big in Korea it started in Korea this app I mean there's a lot of them now but where you can adjust every aspect of your face you know it's like a Oh, kind of reduced like or easy to use something. Photoshop, but you can do every. I mean, literally, like in, change this, the shape of your eyebrows, uh, uh-huh. flatten your nose, widen your nose. Any anything you want to do, you can do to your face, and it looks fairly realistic. So now you're just seeing all these pictures of weird. Cartoon looking people everywhere. It's kind yeah. of
0: like that South Park episode when, like, one of the kids has the girlfriend, and they only they only refer to her as like her Instagram profile. He's like, "Oh my <laughs> gosh, she's so hot on this." Have you seen her? And then in real life, she's not at all. <laughs>
2: it has been. It's gotten. I mean, Danny just showed me the app where he can basically light his face, and it's it's gotten it's gotten a little out of control where you can Facetune everything, and it just nobody. Everybody does it, so nobody really thinks it's weird. Yeah.
0: yeah. Have you heard of the uncanny valley? I think we've talked about this on this before, but the un- it's, the, it's the uncrossable, like, uh, there's an uncanniness in anim- animation. When animation is bad enough or inaccurate enough, you totally accept it and you can get lost in it. But when it's too close to reality, you don't accept it because it's just that right amount wrong. You right, know?
2: exactly. Something just feels slightly off.
0: Right. Whereas if it's if it's blatantly <laughs> animation, you're like you, you you can suspend your disbelief. Like South
2: Park. You're like yeah, I, exactly, I. get that get. this isn't real. And there, I think there's an <laughs> element of
0: uncanny valley in uh in people's uh, the pictures they posted themselves because you you see like if you. If you ever get stoned and look at Instagram, it's very, very, very apparent. You can see the lighting on people's faces and it just looks fucking weird.
2: Your face tunes are a little out of control. Yeah, I've been
0: just going a
1: little crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Who's the most, without saying any names, obviously, have you had a couple problematic people to shoot where they want extreme retouching done?
2: Absolutely. And they come back to me with, usually it's not celebrities because they have to look a certain way. You can't change their face that much. So, uh, (laughs) yeah. if nobody knows what you look like then you're like okay yeah so it's a lot of times what what are some really good ones it's usually Somebody's
3: looking over your shoulder at a previous celebrity shoot and, yeah i like that one you know, well, yeah yeah exactly
2: oh my god that's the biggest one i get they like see a celebrity shoot on my website and they're like, so could I have something like this? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. Do you mean the shoot that cost thousands of dollars and had 20 people on the set? And had a celebrity 100% it. I can do that for you in the park. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, I've, got some, I've gotten some very funny retouching notes. A lot of times it's, you know, exactly make my nose smaller, sharpen my jaw. Usually there's just a myriad of requests. Does anybody of, asked know,
0: to be made more ugly so they get the character parts?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Huh. Men are like, uh, I just feel like I'm too beautiful. <laughs> um, you know, like I, my face Other is than just. Other has anybody said this? <laughs> Chaz, we got to bring Chaz. it back. Chaz. Oh, Chase. Yes.
3: Um, well, I'm. Well, I'll be on board once they have an app for. Altering the inner content of yourself, you know, to make yourself a better person, and then you can just post that.
1: Yeah, you know. exactly. Do, like, do they have a Soul face tune?
2: <laughs> Who you is soul tune. <laughs> soul tune? Soul <laughs> <laughs>
3: Tune.
1: Who is the guy that you just shot? You went out to New York to shoot. I, I, he's one of those actors that you've seen him in a thousand things. I love a bunch of movies he's been in, and he's in the Deuce now. Um, uh, Dave Crumholtz. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, he's, that guy, he's he was excellent. in the yeah. Deuce. He plays the producer uh, guy. He oh, was oh, in, oh, yeah, um, yeah. yeah the slums of beverly hills which is a really great kind of cult comedy movie. also
2: 10 things i hate about you yeah mm-hmm. and uh i went out there to shoot a couple people but specifically to shoot him i've always been a huge fan of his and just because i think he's a really good actor and the weirdest thing about that guy is he i think he's insanely talented one of the really underrated he just yeah. always kills it and he does not think he's successful at all he's like yeah just another out of work actor i'm like are, is this
3: a joke? Like, <laughs> well, you you like famous? Well, bro. I'm glad he's got. I, you know, I, I hopefully the Deuce continues like uh, the Wire did. You know, for whatever five seasons because he's got a good part in that, and it's like a serious show. It's a it's a lot of mega stars in it. I, uh, I haven't seen it. Is he really is he good in it? Yeah, yeah. he's good. And um, uh, James Franco and Maggie Gyllenhaal and all these. It's got like A list celebrities, and you know, and uh, David Simon's making it the guy who made the Wire. Super gritty. It's like the most graphic. It's about the porn industry in the seventies and 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 the prostitution industry in New York in the seventies. Super like realistic and gritty and graphic. You know, to the point of discomfort a lot. But it's it's really good and the the. The writing is, like, next to none, I think.
2: And I don't know if any of you guys out there know this, that I'm sitting here with three of the biggest Wire fans <laughs> of all time. Wait, wait, who'd you leave out? <laughs> <laughs> you guys just love that shit. One, one of us secretly doesn't like it. We just oh, can't bring it up. It? I've never, no. Oh, <laughs> We've been over this then. so many times. No, and there's a character named Marlo, and I'm...
0: Oh, yeah, Marlo'd be yeah. weak, though. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, the reason we're having you on... This podcast, particularly, is because this episode of Bus Call, which is presenting this podcast, <laughs> sponsored by uh, sponsored by us. Congo sponsors Congos. Um, is it takes place in South Africa, and it's the 2016 tour that we did with you and Nick Morgulis, who filmed and shot uh, the majority of this episode. So yeah. I just wanted to inform the audience of that. I know you know why you're here, but, well, but I thought I, really, I thought uh, it came for the curry. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. If you guys are in LA, some of the best. Ty curry is this place called Jitlada.
2: Yeah, Harvard yeah. and Sunset. Check it out. G-I-T-L-A-E-A.
0: When we asked Marlo to do a podcast with him, he was like, oh, "I don't know if I can." I said, "I'll order Jitlada." He's like, "I'll be there." <laughs> <Yeah.
3: I'm> there, <laughs> coming. Uh, that's all it costs, ladies and gentlemen. If you well, want, if you want a photo shoot, just buy him Jitlada. You'll get the, the star I'll treatment. Photoshop
1: whatever the hell you want <laughs> just onto to your go, face. Just to go back for a second, it's funny that you bring up that that uh, David Crumholtz has this feeling that he's not a successful actor because from the outside we see him as having been in a bunch of kind of iconic, small but iconic cult type movies and I don't know if you've watched Bus Call it's <laughs> kind of a common thing like I think a lot of people think that we're, you know, what are we on about in Bus Call, we're a hugely successful band and you see, I can imagine what I know what he's saying, like he's is a working actor, he's been in a lot of things but I'm sure it's still actually a grind and a struggle for him to feel like he's finally arrive not that you want to arrive somewhere but it, you know it's difficult always
2: no but it never feels like an arrival and i know that for myself you know setting goals and then for you guys i know the the theme of of the episode for of bus call is you know feeling lost or feeling you know like you're not where you thought you would but the perception is so different even with me you know two years ago, I was like, if I could just get one celebrity in my book, then I'd be happy and now here I'm here be like, I'm a fucking failure because I'm not in variety. <laughs> 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 yeah. So, that is so su- success is not, ne- it's never, it's not like a, a permanent, it's it's not like a permanent state of mind. You, you kind of, eb- it ebbs and flows, doesn't it?
4: Yeah.
0: No, well, in this business, it doesn't, it just ebbs. <laughs> you know, it never you, flows. You constantly <laughs> chase it. You can never, you can never achieve satisfaction or anything in, in the business of, you know, trying to succeed in some...
2: But do you think anybody feels fully successful all the time? Like DJ Khaled. (laughs) Brad Pitt.
0: No, I think that's... at the end of the movie Rockstar with Mark Warburg, he changed from leather pants to jeans, and that's when he started to feel successful.
3: Well, maybe we should do the opposite switch to leather. I I mean, it is sort of a... It's a never-ending pit, basically. You're digging down into a pit you know, and from filling from the empty into the void, whatever cliche you want to use that when you're chasing some sort of external source of satisfaction for your life, you know, whether it's a result or it's money or success or any other thing that this world can give you, you know, how could you possibly have it all? In fact, you you just alerted me because the name of this episode is called Everything is Not Everything. And that was I came up with that phrase for some lyric, and we talked about it as a band and started working on it together. And it just occurred to me that that actually makes sense for this episode. Yeah, yeah and it's almost perfect. subconsciously, we didn't really choose it for that. Yeah, it is perfect.
2: Um, you can't have it all. Well, that's the. Thing. I think that's the very unique thing about artistic conquests is that as soon as you achieve it, it's no longer good enough. Yeah, you yeah. don't you don't revel in the achievement for it's very decline. long. Maybe for ten seconds.
1: That's it's, why you got to you go to. Go check out those uh, the Buddhist mandalas that they do the sand mandalas. They spend a year. You must have seen these. We'll, maybe we'll throw up a link to if you haven't seen this. They spend a year, five, six, seven times, uh, eight eight monks sometimes sitting around putting you know grain of sand, grain of sand, like delicately creating colored this sand, colored sand into this intricate, big you know like maybe six, seven feet wide artistic pattern design. I'm sure there's a, I don't even know enough to really talk about it deeply, but they get to the end and then they uh, sweep it all up. You know they've just spent a year creating this masterpiece, and, and they blow it away just
2: to teach you that yeah, it's not it's. I mean, it's not external; it just comes from the process, I suppose. Which sounds lame, but no, yeah, and, and nothing
0: and nothing is permanent. But that's probably how it. That's how it needs to be. Otherwise, there would be no progress, no evolution whatsoever in art. Yeah, if, you they were, if you permanently get to tell that story to their friends, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> which I, I think that you can we, see that in people who are extremely proud of their art if they're extremely proud of their music or whatever they've done, they don't progress. They, most of them make shit music. <laughs>
2: right. And I mean, there's a difference between being extremely like smug and proud or just being feeling accomplished, no matter if you're on stage playing to 100,000 people or 10 people at the last leaf. Yeah. <laughs> but the, the nice thing, the cool thing about the episode that we just, I just watched for the first time, everyone. It's lovely. Please check yeah, it out. Yeah, we're
3: recording this before it comes out. Right? So, but when you hear this podcast, it will have been out. Is, six. The
2: interesting part is that it starts with when the tour or when a tour is going pretty much as badly as it could have or, or close to. And then it cuts back six months where it just everything felt really great, great <laughs> and it you know, cohesive and it just really there was a lot of there's oh. just a lot of jovial. Energy around all of us,
3: yeah. Geez, what a trip! I mean, South Africa will do that to you. I, I we could have had the worst shows we ever played in South Africa, we st- still would have had an amazing time. You we could have <laughs> played was a,
1: festivals there and not gotten paid. I mean, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> yeah,
2: the, the, the whole thing still would have been, at least for me, fantastic. <laughs> I'm sure for you guys too. Even there in South Africa, there was a moment where at a show the whole, like, build-up of the song was coming and then the power just cut out for, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Oh, wait, which oh right,
3: I forgot. Oh, that I forgot was tape down, time. Yeah.
0: yeah, we don't have that. That was ep- hilarious. We don't have that in the episode because it doesn't really come across because the power goes out and you can't really see <laughs> anything or hear anything. Um But, yeah, that was the It was expertly here. timed whoever yeah, pulled that off. Time. it was beautiful time. We do... Uh, we, we're ending with Blue Monday, and it was the most kind of dancey oh, shit. I, And, did. like,
2: everybody's just throwing up their fucking yeah. hands. Everybody's dancing, and I'm, like, feeling it, too, even though I suck at it
1: dancing. It building up to the drop, though, <laughs> yeah.
0: you know, to the big bass drop. And then right in the, well, in the half a bar break or whatever we do before the drop, the power went out. But is that
1: – I mean, this might be a dumb question that Mick will shit on me for asking, but was it – did it have to do with the fact that I hit that low note there that makes is going to draw draw more power from the subwoofers, or is that a dumb question? I'm going to
0: go but, ahead and say yes. It can't draw that much more. They were having that problem all the way yeah. through. But all that, all by the way, that's, that's what happened. that was there was
3: water dripping on something. I love mm-hmm. that when uh, when, e- when you're relying on the PA to just create this energy in the light show, and you can just feel your chest rumbling, you know, and then it. Breaks at the wrong exact time, and you just hear the sound of a live drum kit with no amplification <laughs> in a big space. It just sounds like pss, 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 it's perfect. It's like
2: the
1: most flaccid yeah. sound. <laughs> Jesse back there being like, "Come yeah. on, guys!" That's happened to. I mean, South Africa has has had some issues with power, like rolling blackouts, and that. We had a similar problem at one of the early shows we did in Pretoria at a place called Arcade Empire. But that was small enough of a club that we actually just f- continued the song and everyone sang along. Do you remember we were doing? This time yeah. I won't forget. And the power kept going. We just finished it out. I
2: feel like that's a good song for it, though, too, because yeah, people just know it, put up yeah. some lighters and yeah. yeah. grew up. That wasn't your
1: first time in South Africa, was it? That was not my first time
2: in South Africa. I went there uh, when I was 18 with my mother and Andrew, her husband, who's uh, from Johannesburg? No, he's from Durban. Yeah, Durban, yeah. Durban. I think he's from Durban. And so when I was there, my mom was making a documentary about indigenous people of the Kalahari, which is uh, a desert near Botswana,
4: Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say.
2: Yeah. yeah. And so we lived in one of their villages for a couple of weeks. Um, but I didn't get to see Cape Town. I didn't get to see Durban. And I barely got to see Johannesburg on that. So this was a very different trip. Uh, had
0: yeah, you, me- have you, Had you ever been to a game reserve or on safari as the... Americans like this.
2: No, 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 no. And I've always kind of been slightly like, yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> but I had something very different in mind than what we did, I think like the a old, zoo. Yeah. And the uh how I tell the story now to people cuz I have to have something to talk about those fucking actors for <laughs> all day. I'm like, yeah, I went on safari once. <laughs> it was awesome. Um And so I always tell the story being like, it was the best sightings the guy had ever seen. And they're like, I'm sure he told you that.
0: And I was like, no, but it was. See, yeah, it really was though, because I mean, I don't know if the footage even, the footage can't even do it justice because uh, the words that you use to refer to the place is either game reserve or game farm or park or national park. And it's like, the only things that your mind conjures up are these zoos or tiny little places where animals are in captivity. But and they is, know where the animals are. Right. Like and I'm going to bring not, you to the animals. And this is not that. This is a private game reserve where uh, it shares the borders with like uh, another 10 private game reserve, which also share their borders with the Kruger National Park, which is the size of some small countries. Like I believe it's the size of Greece or the size of Wales. So you can drive around for hours and days on end sometime and uh, not see animals if it's the wrong season or if you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. And we just happen to see... What, two we or saw three, leopard three leopards, sightings. Leopards, which, um, I mean,
1: there are people that go there literally for years. The people that had worked there. Well, your friends, they were like, yeah. oh, right, I've right. never my, seen my, one.
2: Uh, my friend
0: Michael, who wasn't there, uh, his brother um, and his wife came. And he's like, I've been going to that farm because our, our friends um, own, the, own the farm. And um, he's like, I've been going to that since I was 12. I've, I've not seen a leopard yet.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we saw three. It was unfair. And we saw one at the end leaving the actual park. It was, it was crazy. Well, it
2: started, becoming, it started becoming a thing because I was in one car, Goulis was in the other car, uh, Nick Mogulis, the other cameraman, and uh, Mo and you guys had all seen one, or maybe you saw two, and yeah. basically there was just... There was a few. There was a lot of mean-spirited comments (laughs) (laughs) towards the people in my car.
3: Well, it was kind of like all those who've seen a leopard district, you know. Like, take a shot!
2: You guys are all over there, like (laughs) high-fiving or like not looking. (laughs) It was uh, it was definitely a click, and uh, I've never wanted to be a part of anything in my life.
3: But to finish the story, literally on the way out of the park, you know, we, we got back into a regular vehicle to go to the airport. And so it's like a 30, 40 minute drive to get out of the park. And with like five minutes to spare on a dirt road, almost, almost leaving the park. And this leopard walks across the fucking road. It was and insane. Everyone got a good view of it. I
0: really hope someone from like the South African uh, tourism board listens to this podcast or watches bus call because it, it uh, now I've watched it two or three times, you know, through the, through the edits um, all the way through. And it just feels, it really feels like an advertisement without trying to be of South Africa because it's a special place and, well, I let's hope per- the episode gets that across
1: let's I mean we, the episode's aired, so let's go down break down a bit what we did in Johannesburg because I think it's interesting. we specifically set out on this trip we left ourselves like seven or eight free days, not doing gigs or press or anything to go try and explore a lot and one of the first things we did when we got there was go to the Mooti market, which is a traditional medicine market that's still hugely uh, popular and widespread in South Africa and obviously across Africa uh, variations of it. And we went there and, you know, most like most South of our friends have never been to a Muti market. It's just kind of one of those things, you know, people – you can go to South Africa and you feel like you're in Santa Monica in <laughs> you know, in uh, Cape Town, and you can have a very uh, European or Western experience. And, yeah. So we try to do a, a couple different things and see Africa, and that, and that is a fascinating experience. Going to that, uh, muti market.
2: Seriously, I mean, I you know, and I've I've lived all over the world, and that's that's still. I mean, I don't really get shaken that easily either. I don't really get worried about my safety in any way, and I I wasn't there either. But there was a couple times when we were in there, and then we had to go like bargain with the owners of the member that with these like
1: giant. Well, I think what it it basically was was that there was I don't want to say mob because I you know I don't know for sure, but it was you know some people ran the place in quotes and you had to kind of get their permission to visit or for us to film there but it was kind of like a bribe not a bribe, what do you call it yeah basically a bribe like pay us this amount and you'll be fine <laughs> and you can walk around and we'll, and we'll make give you sure a proper that, tour of- give you a proper tour so yeah. we actually got a really great tour and like we not, nothing happened to us. it was totally fine but it was um, because of our tour guide I think
0: like- they just saw an opportunity to extract money and you know rightfully so it's not and nobody really does that so that's why it wasn't a formalized process like um you know sea sea world yeah they're like you're our first
1: visitors Um, i mean after
0: we look after we did i did look it up on youtube there have been quite a few people that go to i'm uh, sure that moody market but i'm sure they
2: dealt with something very similar
0: there are some interesting customs though that you, you we had to constantly be reminded of which were like certain things you don't cross the path of two people that are talking um, it 's rude to do that, so you know if you were oblivious and you happened to do that it was very offensive if you, you walked in between two people talking like you broke their energy, you broke their um, communication mm-hmm. there were a bunch of other things like that which we had to be kind of informed of, so we didn 't kind of disrespect people in when when you deal in with money, you put the money on the ground you don 't hand it directly to a person oh right yeah. in any down. circumstance or just in there uh, I th- i don 't know in any circumstance. it just seemed like in there, there there was a there was something there was some superstition about putting handing money directly I don't think yeah. it was
3: superstition. it was just a sign of disrespect to like change hands like that you know you you put it on the ground and then the other person accepts it by picking it up you know yeah. so but it was to
0: distance yourself from the money sometimes. right yeah.
2: You're like I'm just going to dirty. lay
3: this here <laughs> <laughs>
2: and
1: if it disappears. <laughs> so be it (laughs) we (laughs) had a great guy helping us out on the on this trip a guy called billy who uh, has a company that drive like drivers you hire to get around you know just a transport company but he also came in the van with us and acted as a tour guide as we went everywhere he took us to soweto and we got to see you know a lot of people go to soweto now to vilakazi street which is common but he took us to meet with some friends of his in soweto and it was just great to To do all these different things, and it was obviously helpful having him there because he spoke two or three of the national languages. There, Zulu. uh, I think he was Pedi. I want to say. I can't remember. I can't remember for sure. But yeah, spoke you know two or three of the national languages, so that helped getting around. But uh, yeah, that was a great. It was that
2: was really, and also just I mean another thing with me is for that experience for me it was it was really interesting because people don't really don't want to be filmed in that situation. Even if I, I'm shooting you guys in there in the background, I was getting a lot of, like, stinky looks. And I also am uh, editorial photographer. Like, people sit and I take pictures of them. I don't, like, go shove my camera. Nick is much better at that than I am. <laughs> zero <laughs> regards.
1: It's, it's zero.
2: Like, he is a pure documentarian. And I'm, like, kind of sheep as like, eh? You're also
0: very conspicuous. You are, like, six foot four. Six foot three. Yeah,
2: blonde. Like I stick out like a yeah, sore Yeah, with a big thumb. fedora on.
1: Yeah, <laughs> giant fedora. <laughs>
0: <Just> cameras <laughs> hanging around your neck.
1: <laughs> cameras hanging around my neck. Well, you mm-hmm. say that, I mean, most. I mean, a lot of people didn't want to be filmed, so we obviously were respectful of that. And then a lot of people did want to be filmed.
2: That's true, but you know, also just getting details, you know, because we have to, we have to um, accumulate the scene, right? So we have to get pictures of this and that. Yeah. And people were getting, yeah, they were getting more and more agitated as we walked through it. They were, yeah. did not want
1: us there yeah um so we also went to go see some uh, rugby, which is a game called rugby <laughs> which is uh you know it's a game like American football, but for men <laughs>
2: but that was really fun um there's like all that fire and
1: a bunch of cheerleaders that was f- I- I'm joking, good. of course. Rug- American football is fine, but I just... Yeah, you, better,
3: you better hope you don't run as any actual football players. Oh, no, yeah, they destroy Destroy
1: me completely. But I just, <laughs> rugby, I just find way more fun to watch. It's just the action is just nonstop. There's no stopping for advertisements, no downs and all that. It's just a lot more fun. Also, they're not wearing any padding. Yeah, I mean, look, they're not hitting each other in the head. That's true. And they, I think they get a lot less injuries than football players do. But it's nevertheless a rough sport.
0: The other stuff was the the food markets, which in the episode, it's kind of condensed down to um, a few minutes, but we visited a bunch of these food markets over the course of a couple of days. Um, and there's really, Johannesburg is like a, how many people in Johannesburg? It's 12 million people?
1: I think if you count the bigger area, Yeah, I mean, it's a like massive
0: that. metropolitan city, so there's, um, and it's a melting pot of the whole of Africa, so you can go to these food markets, and it's just every kind of uh, country is represented in their food, and uh, they see a huge Indian population, which... We really love. Obviously, we eat Indian everywhere on tour. Um, but one of the biggest dishes there is a bunny chow. Oh, oh. bunny chow. A bunny chow is basically it's a hollowed out piece of bread, a half a loaf of bread that they hollow out, and then they take the inside, the white thing, and you know, crumple up into a ball, and put that on the plate. So you can dip that in the curry, and they pour the curry into the hollowed out um, loaf of bread.
2: Yeah, it's like a square. But the bread is
1: really specific. I mean, it's like thick
2: and sponge. It's so
1: good. It's It's government. It's called government white bread. It was basically the subsidized uh, bread, like a white bread. They had a government brown loaf and a government white loaf, and it was and still is, I believe, subsidized bread. So it's cheap bread that everyone could afford, and it's really fucking good. You know, you like you go get a shit loaf of bread here, Wonder Bread or whatever it is, and it's inedible. And there, it's really just amazing loaf of bread. Bunny Chow, uh, um, so my daughter Eve has a bunny,
3: you know, that She like her main stuffed animal is a bunny. And then for the travel, she has a small one, and we named it Bunny Chow. Because <laughs> bunny Chow? <laughs> it's a sort of double entendre, you know, because like, chow in Italian, goodbye. is like saying goodbye to Big Bunny, we're going to get Bunny Chow. <laughs> I, I, I She's so highbrow. <laughs> yeah. She made it up. I mean, uh, she had to explain it to me. How's it wouldn't surprise Italian?
1: me to see uh, Bunny Chow start to spread. I, we were in London once and saw a Bunny Chow restaurant. I think it'll it, take L.A. a while. It's too, too, too much gluten-free.
2: Gluten. L.A., yeah, I guess that's true. But L.A. goes through some funky, you know, everybody was eating sausages for a while, and then, wait, what was the one that was recently? It was sausages <laughs> and then... F- Pokeballs. Poke oh, Pokeballs.
1: Pokeballs came. I mean, I mean, L.A. is very f- adventurous food-wise, but there's certain yeah, but things the f- you just don't picture... Be able to start here.
0: That drink with the little bowls in it.
1: Oh, Uh, boba. boba. Yeah, boba tea. That's been a long. That's been here here for a while. That was. Yeah. So where is that from? That's is it Japanese or is it uh, Thai? Uh, I think boba is Japanese. Okay. Yeah. I don't know.
0: Well, just get back to this Indian food. Um, (laughs) (laughs) South Africa and I believe Durban is the um, highest density, the highest um, density of Indian population outside of India. I believe that's correct.
1: We don't have Colton. Colton usually fact checks. Yeah, we usually have it. We can Google this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) He's like the producer.
0: Do you remember? This wasn't on this last tour, but Danny, remember we went to that um, market? It was the Indian food market in Cape Town. Oh, yeah. And it was just amazing stalls of all sorts of Indian food. And it ends up, it's like $2. It ended up costing for a massive plate of. Yeah. um, Have have you guys been there? Have you guys been there since we went? No, we haven't been back since 2016. Oh, okay. I'm sorry, I missed this. This was the year before. Oh, I see. Yeah, uh, Johnny and I went to the Mootie Market there in Durban, and that one I was felt that was sketchy though. (laughs) <laughs> that was
1: like, Yeah, I think that there was just a criminal element there that was yeah. not related to the medicine aspect. of just, you know, there were some criminals hanging around yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. You guys well, are like, oh, sweet, criminals. <laughs> the reason we, the, where we felt like, oh, shit, maybe we shouldn't be here is because we were walking, and a security guard started walking, you know, we were walking down a hallway, and a security guard starts walking by us with a briefcase of money handcuffed to his arm and his hand on his gun. And he just looked at us like, what the fuck are you doing? And we're <laughs> like, oh, shit, he's scared. We should be scared. <laughs> <laughs> he's
0: well, armed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, some some of them still have, like, every other year, someone, uh, it's not the whole market or anything like that. It'll be one um, stall will be busted for all sorts of illegal shit, like human body, body parts, parts that they're using for Holy shit. Um, potions and stuff.
1: In fact, um, yeah, Nick was reading through the paper when we got back to the house one day, and there was a case going on about that, you know, a few days after we got there. Obviously, that you know, it's a, yeah, that's it's a, pretty
0: rare these days, but it still occasionally happens.
1: Goulas can read. <laughs> <laughs> We've, he's Careful.
3: been the butt of so many jokes on this podcast. We really need to have him as a guest because <laughs>
2: <laughs> that <laughs> was also a really interesting part of that trip for me. I, I love Ghoulis now, and I, I really liked him then, but I just wasn't used to sharing the load with another videographer. So uh, yeah, that was, it, there was some moments where I was like, "You don't."
0: Well, well, maybe we'll read. use it as a. Del- deleted scene but there's a scene or there's a clip of you guys talking about who's going to offload the drives and like and upload all the photos who knows how to offload drives. Yeah, <laughs> and it's just a really really funny scene of like basically hot potato
3: <laughs> yeah that was fun yeah he, he, um, uh, he really shot that um scene of us drinking and playing one bounce very well though we looked at the footage like everyone was fucking hammered like Really, really hammered. And he must have been not quite as hammered because it was shot beautifully. It was organized. He was, like, directing people. Okay, now you kick the ball. Okay, everyone, we're going to do vodka shots. And <laughs> was
2: that the scene? Because there's two party scenes in the next episode. Uh, there's the first one where everybody's pretty civilized and then there's the second one where well,
1: honestly we kind of cut them as an amalgam like yeah. spoiler alert editing Ugh. but uh yeah the one where we everyone was over and eating the pizza and then we went out that's a real game that we that everyone plays out there you know like a college well, it's a, game
0: yeah it's a really common game around the world one bounce playing soccer the ball bounces once you kick it around to the uh people in the circle and then you can kill with your head meaning you can hit the ball at someone, and if you get them to miss a shot or whatever, then you have to take a drink we I think Diego one of our friends added the drinking aspect of it, <laughs> so the first time we played that uh, it was like the first time i have been back to South Africa in fifteen years, and our friends invite us over to play one bounce and you know just have like a day of drinking <clears throat> and if you 're not very good at the game, it's like. Five minutes into the game, you've missed the ball five times, you've taken five shots, and you've been hitting the ball with your head. And it's, <laughs> it's 10 minutes into the game, you're like stumbling over, and <laughs> you're just wiped out by the end of it. And so, everybody just gets fucked up Yeah, that's up why we have so to condense, fast. you know, this episode would be weeks long if you, can, if you didn't condense the drinking, eating, and partying that happens in South Africa.
1: Another thing I know that we didn't actually even include because we didn't get a ton of good footage because we were busy eating so much but the first night we went to a Greek restaurant there called Perea Ugh. and that, I, everyone on that still talked about that meal as being one of the best meals we've ever had on tour there's
2: and, a few of them though because yeah. remember that Italian restaurant um, in Cape Town too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Nonalina, Nonalina. Yeah. that place is really good
0: South Africa really has just incredible food this is
3: all around. <laughs> I mean, we we literally could sit here for for two hours and discuss all the fun things that we did and the great stuff that we ate <laughs> and, and the amazing animals that we saw. Um, I, I, did you... Any other sort of thoughts on the episode, having seen it now cut? Because uh, shooting the raw footage, and that was two years ago, you know, it, it must have felt somewhat new to you watching it.
2: Yeah, I mean, it definitely brought me back the uh, the... Game farm footage is it like holds a serious uh special place in, in my heart and life because it's just it was a really amazing experience. And then seeing it cut together is just almost exactly how I remember it now. Because you don't you don't ever like remember the you remember boring the or bad parts, <laughs> you just remember the highlights. So um but there's some hilarious stuff with Mo that I wasn't around for because I wasn't in that car. <laughs> um and then Just looking back on it, there was so much, there was such a different vibe in South Africa. It was really exciting, but also there was just a lot of downtime. I remember we were, when we went to, was it in Durban or was it in Cape Town where we were in that like basin? Remember that giant basin where, where oh, that the, where was the, Cape Town was, that the, was Cape, the, that was Cape, that was Cape the Town quarry where we played Yeah, the show. exactly. So the whole thing cuz I was so tired and it was the whole thing seems really surreal but seeing it cut together like that just brings back instant nostalgia.
1: Yeah. There's something about seeing that whenever I watch that game farm scene set to it's a new song of Dylan's called Nothing of My Own, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, the instrumental behind that game uh, scene. It's just, it makes me sad, like happy, sad, you know, because there's such a magical experience at being out on this thing. And the thing I always kind of remark on and remember is I get bored of everything. Fairly quickly, like we all do. You have very short attention spans, but for some reason, going to the game farm, we've been for longer trips there. We've stayed for right, five, six point. days, <laughs> 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 where it's infinitely interesting looking for animals. It must just be hardwired into us, you know, from being hunter gatherers or something that that literally never got boring once. Like we sat when we weren't on game drives, I would you'd sit on the deck there with binoculars for like four hours, just like hoping you might see an animal. It's not like you're even going to hunt it or eat it. It just is so hardwired or something. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean,
0: it actually brings out your the kid in you. A lot of it is looking. Like, you know, you can play hide-and-seek with a kid for ages. Like, they don't get tired of it. Yeah. They just love hiding and they love trying to find things. And so I think that brings it brings yeah, up. I mean, there's
2: just that. something inherent about finding animals. I mean, haven't you ever been in the car and your
0: mom's like, oh, kids, look at the deer. Oh, my God, look at the deer. <laughs> yeah, this is that on steroids. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Timothy Elephant. With the elephant in the room? <laughs> <laughs> the Timothy Elephant in the I room. I think it's also, it's also sad, uh, whether it's you're conscious of it or, or it's in your subconscious, that it's disappearing. There's basically, there's virtually nowhere on Earth left where you can do, you can have that type of experience because they've not to get too sappy, but they've like destroyed the Amazon rainforest. Um, elephants are. There's only one major migration left in the whole of Africa, oh. and that's the Serengeti. There's no more migration left. So, in um, Kruger National Park, they constantly have to, um, not constantly, but they still have to cull animals. To keep them from to balance the yeah, from overpopulating. Well, then so obviously it's poaching. And even there's only five thousand elephants. Le- I mean, five thousand lions, wild lions, left in in South Africa. Yeah, it's, it's insane how the low the how low the numbers are. Also, yeah. everything is eating something or getting eaten. That's also in your subconscious that it, basically every animal is out there, kind of struggling.
1: Well, I think <laughs> we've talked about this before, but the way that lodge is set up, there's kind of separate little house areas and sometimes you'll be staying like a 100 yards from the main uh, dining room and I stayed up late one night because there was only there was a little wi-fi router and I was uh, calling my wife late at night and I finished the call with her and everyone had gone to bed and I had to walk a 100 yards in the open there's no fences or anything to get to our little bungalow where we we're sleeping and it turns out I'm not a tough guy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that might also be one of the reasons. It's really Frightening. terrifying to think about what's just possibly in that But bush. that's
0: not only actually in your mind because Clissary, um, which is the game farm, the name of it, uh, if you follow them on Instagram, we'll throw up some pictures that they just posted over the last week. One mm-hmm. was elephants came into the camp and destroyed a bunch of the trees. <laughs> they woke up to just trees knocked over. And then... As they were out on a drive, I think, and they came back, they found a carcass which had been dragged up into it. We would, you know, it's the same thing that they told us about. Um, they found a carcass that had been dragged up into a tree. Oh, it's the big where, tree in the where The, main, the like, big like, middle the, tree? Yeah, where you sit and eat Holy and have shit. all your outdoor meals. The, a leopard had dragged a, a baboon or a monkey carcass or something like that and just left it there like I couldn't, was leaving it there for later or something. Awesome. And there was, <laughs> there's, blood all, there's blood all over like the, the front S- I would love to be there when some family wakes up and just sees That'd them. Do you think all the re-
2: leopards can hear, or do you think there are any
1: deaf leopards? <laughs> 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 um, Donovan, one of the guides, told us this story about... We watched them, you what know, are the craziest things you've seen? They told us amazing stories about encounters. But the story that stuck out in my mind was he had these two English tourists there that literally did not get the concept that this was not a zoo and they were not tame animals <laughs> and one of the big the big problem is elephants because you know like lions d- don't even really see the vehicle as a an entity worth attacking or anything elephants understand and can and do attack vehicles so you, every night you stop and you have a drink in the middle of the game drive and you're always told if we see elephants listen to my instructions, the Donovan, the, and any of the guides, and fo- follow exactly what I say. So these guys happened to be out, and elephant, a bull elephant came you know, too close for comfort, and he told everyone to slowly walk back and get in the vehicles. And these fucking idiots ran to get their gin and tonics across the, the, you know, from the other car because they didn't want to leave their drinks. <laughs> so he horrifying. Said, he said he had a. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I, I'm sure the thought went through his mind of shooting them rather than the <laughs> elephant. <laughs> the ele- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Be like, he, hmm. he did have to shoot his gun in the air, right? Yeah, to fire it over the elephant's head, and luckily the elephant backed down. But I mean, shooting an elephant, which he he said uh, he dreads the thought of having to do that, as of someone who you know loves. Uh, nature and conservation, but you uh, would obviously have to protect the guests. Yeah, but shooting it'd be because of some annoying British yeah. tourists. Oy. but also then you, you just not you. It's not like shooting a a deer or anything. It's an fucking elephant. You like if you don't hit it perfectly, it's going to just come and kill you. So yeah, yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, like it, it'll stamp your ass before it dies. Yeah. So anyway, I just he I'll t- throw up.
0: I'll throw up that video of when I went to the game farm in um, two thousand two. That's a
2: really cool video.
0: Have I shown you that? Over yeah, yeah. Over when he charges air. your car and yeah. you have a flat tire. Yeah, yeah. That was. Awesome. I've I've never felt like. More
1: well, let's throw that more up on the Patreon. In my life. Let's throw that up on the Patreon page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, Patreon users will throw up this
0: video that because um, I think I have deleted it from my Instagram. So.
1: Yeah. Well, oh, tell me, I mean, you, tell the story. Oh, it's I mean, the, we got. A don't f- keep us in suspense. <laughs> <laughs> we got a flat tire.
0: No, uh, we're in one of the vehicles and. Um, we came across a herd of about 13 or 14 elephants, and there were two young bulls. They didn't have a, uh, what do you call it, um, patriarch of the of the herd. And so there were these two juvenile bulls that were kind of— Ideal society is what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> they were trying to um, gain control, so they were, they were kind of showing off. And we got a flat tire, and we couldn't get out of there. We were miles away from camp, and so they called over the other two vehicles to kind of come around us and see if you know just to be around if, in case something happened. And one of the bulls got started to get um, curious and started walking up to our vehicle and got closer and closer. And they they do this thing where they pretend to eat grass while they're looking at you, and they're trying to they're curious, but they're so the, the bull was picking up grass from the long grass from the floor, taking it up to his mouth with his trunk, and then just throwing it on the ground and, and <laughs> chewing. And it would pretend to eat grass because they wanted to think it wanted it wanted you to think that it was eating grass while it was actually observing you. And it just kept getting closer and closer and closer until its trunk was in the vehicle, like its tusks were in the vehicle. Oh and um, the guide kept on saying, "Like, don't move, don't move, everybody, stay calm." it's going to be fine. He's just curious. He's curious. And then he steps back and lifts his ears up and he shouts to the other vehicle. He says, throw the bomb, throw the bomb, which is a, um, like a huge canister of pepper spray. Um, and the other car luckily decided not to do that. Cause it would have like covered just, the guests. Yeah. it would have covered us all in tear <laughs> gas pretty much. He revved, it started revving his engine and like charging this elephant and the elephant eventually backed off. Jesus. Um, and, we got into the other vehicles and, like, hightailed it out of there.
1: <laughs> well, the owner of the farm we were at tells a similar story in that he, with the first night we got there, he got back to the lodge half an hour late because he had been in a run-in with another young bull <laughs> elephant. And he had to basically stand his ground because the bull elephant was bo- blocking the dirt road. And he couldn't back down because they learn that they can be aggressive and, you know become dominant so he had to basically just sit there and be like I'm not moving (laughs) a stand you know an elephant standoff well he was half an hour late for dinner
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean they are so intelligent that they they knock down trees just to fuck with you
2: like just to cover the road
0: to cover the road that's what they that's what the guides believe that they're not doing it because they want to eat anything or they're not like scraping off bark or anything like that they're just knocking them down because they know it um, affects the cars on the road on the like the dirt. Oh, yeah, road. then
1: it's consistently towards the road. Yeah,
0: they don't. They, if it's a tree near the road, they don't knock it away. They just knock it down across the road.
2: Those elephants are misbehaving. Somebody's going to have to cage the elephant.
0: <laughs> Jesus. Um
3: other, are you uh, available s- next <laughs> week. Do you prepare
0: these. The other. Um, moving on. You'll you'll get your coat. Thank you. Uh, the other smart thing elephants do is they they move a. Uh, Upstream from the plants they eat. Because the plants release the pheromones. And so they, they move up the wind, and the wind blows the pheromones down to the other plants. So they get to eat all the sweet plants. So that the, the pheromones tell the. Is it pheromones? Is that the word? Yeah, even pheromones, yeah. Well, that's the, the interesting. Pherom- they, 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 it tells the plants to release tannins to make themselves bitter, to make themselves mm. unpalatable. Well, that
1: also makes us us that are vegetarian, we can't even feel as good about ourselves anymore because these poor <laughs> plants are screaming to one another via pheromones, like, help! Well, <laughs> help! yeah, the, the interesting is
0: it's more like thing smoke is signals. that they, they do it upstream and they also know the timing of it, too. They know how long it takes, the tree takes to, um, both giraffes do this, too. They know how long it takes to become bitter and sometimes even poisonous and then they and then they move on. Hmm. They got sweet tooth smudge. David, um, David, I mean, to- I have to oh. check Yelp
3: for what I want to eat. You know, I don't know how <laughs> else to make decisions about what to eat. You'd be lost without the internet.
0: Jitlada <laughs> is what you should eat. Well, another thing about this episode, um, which we find funny, is that. We had to, we couldn't use our own songs for the party scenes because after looking at our catalog, we realized that we don't have that much happy, like just joyful, happy music, you know, that can be used in a party scene. You can't so, just
2: keep using It's a Good Life over yeah, and over the, and over again. <laughs> it's
0: like literally the only happy song we have. Um, so we use it what about anywhere, two in the morning anywhere we can. But so we used our dad's songs on, on this episode, which I don't know if you noticed that you were commenting on all the old photos of. I mean,
2: yeah, I guess just because I spend so much of my time looking at photography and looking at old photos for, like, style inspiration. But the pictures of John are exactly what I want to fucking see. I'm like, oh, yeah, here we go. (laughs) (laughs) Because it's so, it's just so telling of the time period and the music that goes with it. I mean, that's a really great montage because, you know, he, first of all, he starts looking like, you know, like buddy holly yeah but yeah exactly like johnny unitas clean cut just (laughs) and then he starts getting like when he goes to london he starts getting more and more like rock and roll
4: yeah shaggy. and then i think it
2: probably the pinnacle is when he has that picture taken with with the sunglasses and he's crossing his arms he basically looks exactly like
0: yeah that's he finally settled into his look but we could have a podcast with our dad where we could talk for two hours just about his fashion and his like hair styles over the years yeah. from the 1955 or whatever till
2: but he also never really went into the bad 70s like he really stayed cool 70s throughout I the entire he, thing well, he hides those photos yeah. oh there we go
0: <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's got a he's one of his best friends he's this French guy and he'd always say things like John your pants uh, they are cool your shirt is cool uh, the shoes good uh, together nothing works <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah well, he, he nowadays, you know, since we've been in the picture, he's kind of not dissuaded us, but he's like he's kind of pooh pooed fashion. He's like, you don't fucking need fashion. Fashion's bullshit, you know. And, and that's been basically what we've grown up with. And then we go back and see old photos, and we realize we, you know, what he was before us. He fucking had green shoes. He had, you know, maybe like, that's why he looks good because they're all in black and white.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it took it took him forty years to figure out that it's you know. You, shouldn't be that concerned with fashion
2: (laughs) yeah but he still looks so badass like i i look at it i'm like that's all i want to be right now well i mean what what is
1: it about those I, i agree those photos do look really cool what is it about why do we like those is it just kind of sentimentality or nostalgia that we like are they objectively Better photos that you see from that those. Eras? I mean, you you want to get in this?
2: <laughs> sure, yeah. Well, because first of all, it it's shot and processed in a way that is of the time. Like it was the only time that that was done, and especially you know right when he was doing it with the people he was doing it with and whoever was taking those photos. Like those are very well, those are very well put together. They are they're on par with classic rock photography. Some of them. Um, and some of the most famous photos. Like, I don't know who took them, but, you know, they're... Or Really, yeah. <laughs> it's like it was shot on a rebel.
1: Well, do you want to hear a funny story about photos? And our dad in the studio is he had the studio in London that we mentioned in the episode. And it was a busy working studio. Like, six, seven days a week, it was just slamming. You know, not necessarily with his music, with uh, other bands they were he was producing or working with, or just other bands hiring it out. And he got a call one day from a record label, and they wanted to rent it out for, like... A half day to do a photo shoot with a band, and he said, nah I don't want to rent it out for half a day. It kind of kills my schedule, and I've got like it's busy. I don't want to do it." That band was Queen. Oh, (laughs) so he turned down having Queen shot. That would have been fucking cool.
2: Was it? Was it? Is the story you guys tell me about your dad going to see a a new like London band, and he's in the room, and he's like, "I fucking hate this." He opened. That was uh, Led Zeppelin.
0: yeah, Yeah, Zeppelin's one of Zeppelin's first shows. And he and his bandmates were standing around going, Who needs another cream? You know, they're <laughs> <laughs> not going anywhere. <laughs> but they, they were a kind of super group, though, because it, it was all people from like the, the studio guys, kind of weren't they? Or some of them? No, it was like, uh, what is that band? The yard- Wasn't Jimmy Page in The Yardbirds with yeah, Jeff yeah, Beckett? I, yeah. well, yeah. I mean, even the photos, fo- just, just some
2: of the photos that you guys flash on the screen in the episode is really cool. Like Hans Zimmer, like, he's so young. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. He, was, he was so early in the synth. Days, he was. It's Hans Zimmer with a massive modular Moog, which he yeah. must have brought over from the States.
2: I wonder if in that picture he was about to play something like
1: Dun Dun, da-da-dun,
0: Dun
2: da-da-dun, Dun da-da-dun, Dun,
0: Dun Dun Dun
1: Dun. He's I'm got fair. one lick. I think Dad told us about that It took him a, a day or two just to set up the synth. Was when that he, smooth criminal? Yeah, basically. <laughs> no, you it's, it uh, uh, it's uh, basically bit, uh, Gladiator.
2: Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. That was accurate. <laughs> Never. Yes! <laughs> no, you went... Dun, 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 <laughs> then dun, dun, he's like... <inaudible> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <What>? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah, he was He was pretty early on in that synthy stuff. Yeah.
2: I didn't recognize a couple of the other names, but they seemed very important. Tony nope, Visconti
1: was... Uh, David Bowie's David producer. Per- yeah, David Bowie's producer. David uh <laughs> <Hib>. David Bowie. <laughs> Bowie. Um, Mutt Langer. Mutt and C.V. Langer. Mutt Langer produced... He's produced uh, ten of the top hundred albums of all time. Like he did, Back in uh, the Black album, not the Black, uh, Back in Black, Black, sorry, ACDC. AC/DC. Mm-hmm. He did Def Leppard, Pyromania, Adrenalized Hysteria. Hysteri- like he, he sold Shania hundreds Twain, and hundreds of millions of records. Love Shania Twain.
0: <laughs> yeah, he was Shania Twain's husband, and then and then they did like wife swap or something. Mel Brooks. He recorded.
2: That's awesome. What yeah, Brooks. Mel Brooks yeah, I
0: recorded there He recorded the Hitler rap For yeah. uh, History of the World Part 1 That movie, you ever seen that movie? Uh, no, uh, I don't like that It's very funny Where was that
2: studio? It was in London
0: uh, It was in Barnes, right?
1: Yeah, like a, a mile or two outside of the center of London Or three or four miles outside the center of London So That's where we grew up We actually went back there We were It's a really sunny neighborhood
0: <laughs> Yeah
2: the one. It's too cold. <laughs> was that you? Who was that? It's too cold. <laughs> that was me, yeah.
0: You know what I think we should do? What's that? Go to an advertisement. And for those of you who don't want to listen to this advertisement, go to our Patreon page and give us $2, and you can get an access to a advertisement-free version. I only listen
1: for the ads. And we're back. <laughs> and if you're on the Patreon version, we never went anywhere. <laughs> um... What else were we going to talk about? Where did, we, where did we start? There was somewhere it felt like it was going deep. No?
2: Um, no definitely not. We started talking about your dad, classic rock photography. Oh, yeah. Um, do you
1: still shoot on uh, any analog stuff ever for any, any work, or do you just do it for fun?
2: Uh, no, I still sh- I still do it pretty much every photo shoot. I don't think I do any celebrity or musician without doing analog photography. Uh, Is that something they request or just something you include as part of your sh- If they your don't shoot? request it, then I just, in, I just do it. Um, but sometimes they'll ask, like, I, uh, I was asked to shoot a recording session at a, um, I can't remember the name of it, but it's the same recording session that, uh, it's a recording studio that uh, Elliot Smith recorded all of his, it's somewhere really cool in LA that every indie musician wants to record at. But I was just, they said they wanted me to do it. Nothing but analog, all on Leica, all on uh, 35 millimeter. So I still, I I just, it just has a different look. It just has a different vibe. Just like the pictures of John.
3: Yeah. Well, um, what we were talking about earlier with the retouching, uh, you know, to get into a more subtle discussion about that, I, I think the brain notices those distinctions even if we don't notice that we're noticing them you know what i mean that there's some part of our brain that's able to detect minor minuscule changes in pattern or in what we expect to see and that it interprets that and that's why it looks wrong even if we don't know why even if we couldn't sit there and point out this is exactly what's different about it
2: it's, it's, it, is, it is a little bit like that. I mean, it, I still think that video games and reality are trying to compete with one another. You know, video games want to look more like reality and reality wants to look more like video games. Yeah. And yeah. everybody just wants that crazy smooth skin. But there's something about shooting on <laughs> f- on film that if you shoot it correctly, it, it's actually more forgiving than digital. Mm. You you're, don't see all the crazy pores in your... You're actually, when when I'm retouching fashion or celebrity or or music. I'm trying to make it look as as much like film as I possibly can, which is where your skin looks you know, detailed, it it looks sharp, but it's got this kind of cinematic
1: gauze mm. over it. It's just it's does yeah, I mean, it's not so harsh. 4K TVs were a real game changer for actors because if you think about on film, like no one really knows if the classic stars like what their skin was like, and that's a big issue for actors and actresses, I know. And now you get Netflix, you put it up on a seventy-five inch screen in four K, and like literally, you have to be not a human to have skin that perfect. That yeah. people are like, holy shit, I see a fucking pimple. It's like, yeah, that literally everyone has that and used to have that. It just it wasn't visible, and if it was, it wasn't. It didn't stand out in the way that it does in on a digital. Totally. And I
2: also think that, that you know, technology with uh, cameras are, is getting so good that the reason we watch movies and we'll look at pictures is to kind of suspend belief and, and kind of get lost in a story. And when you're at that kind of quality, you can see the lighting. I can see the makeup on their face. It, it it's really, really puts a, it really
1: cancels out the barrier well it's like if you've ever watched a movie on most of these modern tvs have got that setting where they do a motion blur or something no it, it's a or, higher frame rate well right you change the frame rate and you watch like a classic movie like uh, whatever goodfellas or godfather like and it looks like a soap opera yeah it looks like a soap opera and it makes it it's weird how it highlights bad acting yeah it highlights everything just seems so wrong because it takes the whole mood out of it it kind of just fucks the director in the ass
2: being like can you see the set like look here's the you can see the lighting who is the guy who did
0: heat uh, michael, michael Mann. michael man yeah he was uh what was that movie he did miami vice and i remember at the time he like intentionally went he did uh he did 30 frames a second and he, he did kind of um uh, you know uh, high aperture small sensor cameras just to make it feel like video like real he thought it was all subject. He thought it was all conditioning. I think is what I remember him reading. That basically is what you're used to and that you would people will be reconditioned, well, which th- may
1: be true, I don't know. I think what it is is that if he was shooting at a higher frame rate, that's closer to the way we our brain processes images, right? Like if you swipe your head left to right or that sort of they thing. They say it's 50.
0: This, yeah, I think it's even less. They say it's like 30.
1: Right so yeah. but if you're most film was at 24 frames a second right and that's what i think make pulls it out of reality enough that you're able to watch it and suspend disbelief or to th- view it as a story or as a narrative as that's opposed I'm, to That's what I mean
0: though know, if you take a kid or if you took somebody who wasn't didn't grow up on 24 frames a second movies do, do they equally suspend their disbelief they probably do. I don't know if there's anything inherent about twenty-four frames a second, which is, which contributes to. The no, I'm not saying it's inherent, thing.
1: but I mean, if you watch something at fifteen frames, like if you watch those old, like Charlie Chaplin, where they were, you know, is basically well, yeah. just stuck together photos. Surely, there's
0: a spectrum of when, or it's a gradient of what. Also, is, is there is,
2: to is there anything weird about your eyes being at fifty or thirty or whatever they're at that? And then on a screen being at fifty—is there any kind of thing that cancels mean, each other out? You or? mean
0: is it like when you when you shoot a fluorescent lamp? Yeah, it, uh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. If, I mean, I, that's the—they approximate like the data that you can take in, but you're really not. Are you viewing stuff in a frame rate? I don't know. I don't think. you I are. don't
1: know. But what if you are, and in between the frame rate is where the aliens live? What man. if you
0: if you truly have a frame rate, wouldn't everything just increasing in resolution and data be better? You know, one hundred twenty no. frames a second. Shocking. perfectly smooth uh, perfectly smooth image like reality reality is not in a frame it's your processing which is maybe that's why it's maybe that's why it
2: seems too real because it looks like the way we see yeah
0: you're saying it's too real I'm saying saying it's too real
2: that way I can't connect to it because now I'm like oh fuck I can see a bunch of actors acting now it Mm -hmm. sucks
0: there's gonna be a paradigm shift I think in how people create content especially if they're trying to tell a story or get you into a state of you know you're suspending your disbelief that's become the the fun term to, s- to say this podcast but <laughs> like uh, we were you know our generation used to watching TV and going to the movies and seeing things on film but you know if you see kids these days their eyes are like six inches away from their screen watching videos and now it's all moving towards virtual reality and having your eyes so close to the screen that something is going to have to change completely about all the, on the technical side of how they're telling a story they're going to have to redefine myopia it's be like a much smaller scale. If you can see past six inches, you got you're yeah. far sighted. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> well, I I notice just how badly it fucks up your eyes. You oh ever, my god! Have you ever been looking at your screen for a long period of time and then looked at um, something with uh, a design on it, like a carpet or a, a bath? Like I have a bath towel that's um, has triangle designs on it. It's kind of trippy because your eyes and whatever the light and the uh, especially if you're watching moving images whatever the frame rate is of that that stuff and the uh, frame rate of the screen or not the screen the like uh, what, I don't know what I'm trying to say like the pixels of the screen mm-hmm. that you're looking at you look at something with the design and it's it shifts your entire perception like the the starts squiggling lines start squiggling they start moving there's yeah.
1: this uh, I went to the magic castle uh last weekend which uh, if you don't know what that is it's basically how do we know it's the real you who came back <laughs> <laughs> we don't um, it, what is it? it's not a, it's not a theme park it's just a, it's a, the, it's the center of the magic world like, like where ma- magicians yeah, it's magic a comedy store, store from magicians from magicians yeah. and you know it's the pinnacle of where a magician can be short of being like david copperfield on the las vegas strip with your own you know starring at caesar's palace it's a, about as high as you can get up on the magicians world and it's a really fascinating place and they have a super strict dress code that we found out you, know, you have to wear a suit. You got to wear a tie. You have to. Wear, you can't take your jacket off when you're between, walking between rooms. They're trying to create like a vibe when you go there. But I uh, found out that uh, Johnny Carson got their dress code changed because he went there, and he says, "Yeah, I'm wearing a polo neck." And they said, okay. a turtleneck, yeah, or a turtleneck." He, they said, "Fine." So now you can wear a turtleneck to the Magic Castle <laughs> because Johnny Carson said, "I'm wearing a turtleneck," and they're like, "Fine, you're Johnny Carson. You can do what you want." But anyway, the reason I brought this up in relation to what you were saying was. My friend who who took us there, his grandfather is a magician, and his dad's a magician, and that's how we were able to get in, because you have to be a member or go with a member. And his grandfather had invented this illusion, which is basically a spinning uh, pattern spiral thing. And this magician there was still using this thing as one of his little trick illusions at the beginning, where you stare at this thing. He just says, keep staring at this thing, like a kind of a hypnosis thing that you're looking at he says keep staring at this thing so you stare at it for like 30 seconds he says don't look away don't look away and he says now look at my face and his fucking head it's like you're on acid just like (laughs) goes (laughs) and like does this crazy hallucination thing that you're doing because your brain is so fixated on seeing this repeating pattern and if you think about what we're doing to ourselves all day long now six hours a day eight hours a day staring at screens with basically a lot of times a fairly repeated or static pattern on these things we're just killing our ability i think to see reality
2: (laughs) yeah i mean it's it's and and to bring it back to photography too people have i mean uh there's new cameras that are mirrorless right so it's just it's just a video feed in the eyepiece and i i know danny likes this but I can't fucking get on board because it's just another screen in my face. (laughs) When I've got like one here, and then I'm editing on another one, and I like my camera is basically the only time I don't have to look at a screen. Why don't you just take photos with your mind? I don't.
0: I just I. You're always criticizing me, Danny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not trying to enjoy (laughs) photography. I'm just I'm trying to see the thing I'm taking a picture of, and then take a picture of, and then put the camera down. You know what I mean?
2: No, I know, but also I just can't. I can't. I know what thing. you're
1: saying. It's the same thing like uh, when we started messing around with these old analog synths. Touching a knob and hearing a filter move yeah, makes it's a huge difference yeah. as opposed to looking on a screen and moving a, a fader Touching around. a knob is always enjoyable. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Just a knob. Who, whoever, <laughs> wherever.
1: It's always great. <laughs> is there a band joke you could throw in there? I, I'm trying. On, I'm trying.
0: It's... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there are any band names with knobs. The Doors. <laughs> there are a <laughs> bunch of knobs. <laughs> uh, well, we haven't been doing sections at all. This is like one of the first podcasts, basically because this is what we do when we're not on a podcast. We just hang out with Marlo and talk shit. We're usually a lot meaner to each other. I feel like. Yeah, we've we're all, all been strangers, s- especially people far away. Marlo's the the king of uh, gossip. That's not true. That's what somebody else said about you. <laughs>
2: Uh, I think gossip is the most fun a girl can have while having her clothes on. <laughs> <laughs> so there.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. Well, gossip, uh, I I don't like gossip unless it's funny and entertaining and lighthearted, which it always is with Marlo. <coughs> I know.
2: know. It, it, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't gossip. I shouldn't gossip. But it's also really fun.
0: <laughs> yeah, but there's, there's, there's different kinds of gossip. I agree with you in general. You shouldn't gossip. But there's more. there's gossip which is entertaining. And it's not... You know, it's basically, it's talking shit. And then there's gossip, which is like... Mean-spirited. Pe- yeah, 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 exactly. Or, you know, fucking peering over your neighbor's wall or whatever, you know, that kind of stuff. Being like,
1: hey, yeah, yeah, clean that shit up. <laughs> Have you ever watched TV in the last four or five years and come across the TMZ like the show TMZ or whatever it is like the, yeah, the tele- natural, natural drug is what that is yeah. that is unreal yeah the, the level of kind of just grossness that exists well I mean you guys I mean, in terms you, of ga- gossip.
2: <laughs> you guys know that TMZ is owned by Warner Brothers or Universal or whatever so they basically have a company that follows around all their own clients and they just double down on the money they're making
1: yeah I so, mean that's been like, they've been doing that since the 20s yeah I was like talking I was studio. talking
2: to a TMZ paparazzi photographer and he had his arm in a sling and i was like oh dude what happened did you get fucking knocked out and he was like yeah uh one of these guys you know bodyguards slammed me to the ground and broke my arm and he's like and it was super fucked up because i know that guy really well and they told me where he was where the celebrity was like, <laughs> <laughs> was like why did you do that
0: a restaurant craig's in there's a craig's in uh, la where, it's where they all go to intentionally get their picture taken well, it's mm-hmm. like the yeah. ivy right
2: also
3: yeah. is one of those ones so it's Surprise. a big it's a big
2: it's a big knob touch <laughs> yeah yeah it's a you b- always see uh, the
3: tmz truck the t- tmz tours here by our studio you know it's yeah in, what does it San hollywood and they're just too much zinfandel <laughs> all the hollywood tours come here and a lot of it's like it's it's like the game reserve you know these open vehicles a bunch of people fucking with their fanny packs on you know hoping to go and see a celebrity sighting well, or i mean literally like the
2: last thing they're gonna see is a celebrity right i mean although i did shoot tim uh timothy oliphant on hollywood boulevard at like noon and i was like hey guys wouldn't it be awesome if we went out onto hollywood boulevard and like photographed him on the street and everyone's like no <laughs> <laughs> that is not cool i was like
0: you did it anyway, you got it.
2: huh? You did it anyway. Oh I mean, no, we we shot it inside a building, so oh. it was. But also, it was, the people oh, okay. who drive those
0: TMZ trucks—they have a rifle in case any of the celebrities get aggressive and <laughs> <laughs> attack the car. <laughs> throw the bomb. Throw the tear gas. <laughs> throw the bomb <laughs> in case Snooki comes out. And <laughs> She's not a celebrity. <laughs> Kira Knightley is charging.
1: <laughs> um, well, let's just end it here we haven't really got anything specific to talk about we just wanted to have Marlo over to talk about the episode which we've done and, yes and um it's always good catching up with you we'll do Johnny Marlowe 3 next time we feel like Jitlada <laughs> yeah exactly we
2: can, t- we can gossip
1: about so people we know. yeah.
0: We'll, we'll, we'll gossip when we get off the, off the uh, air about the audience
2: yeah exactly yeah. be like did you see Becky <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, man. Always fun talking with you. On Thanks, camera, off camera, on podcast, off podcast.
3: Oh, nice work, by the way, uh, on the camera work. On Both you and Goulis got great footage on this. Oh, and appreciate we've got it. two different sides from you. If you listen, you probably haven't listened, but if you listen to some of the other podcasts where uh, we, like with Logan, we talk shit about you and and Johnny and Nick because you guys were more interested in joining the party than shooting the
1: party? <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Wait, wait, wait. I want to know a little bit about that. Tell me a little bit about what fucking
1: Logan said. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. No. Well, we well, can gossip right well, now. Well, we have talked about this that across these various episodes you'd get to see the the four main uh, videographers' styles and how they come across. Logan is methodical and like super detail-oriented. He also... Shoots like an editor because he knows where he's going to want to use a piece of b roll or he knows he's going to want this, that, or the other. Uh, You get a certain intimacy that a lot of the people didn't get because you're part of the party. Like, what we would say is a criticism of you is like we may have missed certain shots because you're out drinking with us, (laughs) (laughs) but at the same time, you got shots that no one else got because you were out. Also, you have so
0: much experience talking with like we've seen you um, shoot. People and we've also seen you on our VIP. Like when you're just taking photos of our VIP guests on tour, you have a way of <clears throat> bringing out their fun side or getting them to show their personality, like feel comfortable around them. And you have that ability with with when you're shooting videography. Mm. Je- Jeff didn't have that at first. He was he was very uncomfortable shooting like VIP, and eventually he got into his rhythm and being like, "All right, guys, everyone get <laughs> it's, together." <laughs> uh, it's not easy. No, I you co- have to. I commend him. Yeah. You have to kind of let go of yourself a little bit to make other people more feel more comfortable. And then then that's how I spent my fucking prom night. I had to go shoot a party. Remember that? What? Yeah, that's you talk about a depressing story. (laughs) My introduction into getting people to act for the camera or whatever was that I was like seventeen or something like that. And one of the one of the prom nights that whatever. How many times you go to prom in high school? Sixteen. Okay, yeah. one of them I fucking went uh, and shot a party of a bunch of adults that I got hired. I got paid two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah, it was hard. I could. I, he's I, I, still he's
3: still single, you, ladies. Yeah. <laughs> you, you missed from for that. Is yeah, that what you're saying? Yeah, okay? yeah. Well, I mean, not really.
2: That was a good excuse. Two hundred fifty bucks. Okay, I swear that's the reason I wasn't there. You know. So what, what's
1: well, there's Goulis. what's Goulas? What's Goulis Is I mean, you know, he we have. A lot of missed footage from him because he just literally didn't. He would leave the camera on. There's a lot of, there's hours and hours of the camera just kind of hanging (laughs) off his neck. Uh, But what you did get from his commentary, his commentary is, yeah, his commentary is hysterical. And he's, we there, it's mostly, I think, stuff for outtakes that we're going to eventually, like, we came across a clip of him at Oppy Copy. Where he and Mo went to go find a porta potty that is fucking hilarious, and I don't want to give it away because we'll probably put it out at some point. But he's just he's just such a he's got such a comic mind. It's but hilarious. he also just,
3: he extracted moments somehow. You know he has a certain presence about him, and he has a sort of mischief mischief mischievousness to him, and he would elicit that from the people around him. You know whether they're people on in the crew or band or complete strangers. No. So he made situations happen.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, no, he's, he's definitely part of the, part of the it, characters. It,
0: one of the original ideas for Bus Call was to make the show about Gulis. It was to make it like Mr. Brainwash or like that's like um, Exit to the Gift Shop. Have you seen that? The yeah, yeah. Where it was really, it was uh, this guy's following the band around, but it was really about this, this videographer and his commentary. And we just didn't have enough footage, or you know, enough of that to make anything of it. But and then the national, cool. the band, the national did their documentary, or the brother of the lead singer. Oh made yeah, the documentary, it. and he basically did. He did what we wanted to do, mm. and it was really good. If you've not seen that documentary, you should check out. No, I like haven't. The I heard it's really, really documentary. good. Documentary. Yeah, it's really funny. What is it called again? Uh, <laughs> I can't remember. will throw. It, we'll throw up a link. The international.
2: Yeah,
1: um, <laughs> and then oh, I guess Jeff, the lost photographer, in the lost episode he was, became such a fly on the wall that he captured, I think, the most intimate. He captured our worst sides. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He captured the most, perhaps the most realistic um, aspects of tour. Well, there
2: was a moment when you guys told him to turn off the camera, right? And
1: he didn't? Oh, he just gave away the, that's the spoiler ending. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> cut, cut. <laughs> uh, no, yeah, he, he just captured some really uh, intimate moments and what it really felt like on tour. You know, I think not just not just because of him. It was also the crew. By this point, had been filmed for two years, so everyone was just more comfortable in front of the camera. Right. It just it disappeared. You know, in terms of like your your perception of it disappeared. Now we just love up people when we hang out. <laughs> you love them up. Yep. <laughs> love. love is in the air. We walk.
2: They walk in. We just love them up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All love, right, guys. Well, <laughs> love that. Um. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of The Front Lounge. Um, Make sure you go to youtube.com slash congos and check out this episode of Bus Call, South Africa. Next episode is actually South America, which the flashbacks include some of Johnny Marlowe's footage. Um, If you want to listen to an ad-free version of every podcast available, go to patreon.com forward slash congos. Also some exclusive content like the elephant video that will be up there on this one. And then, uh, yeah, spread the word. And... Also, we're going on tour. Don't forget that. Get your tickets, January.
1: Yes. Tell your friends about the tour. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a cold one, but it'll be a fun one. See you next week.